Um, so on today's podcast, uh, we have uh, Alex uh, Chase, um, who did a sort of uh, ventriloquist act with a, a penguin childhood toy, uh, as he reveals on the podcast. I had a uh, childhood toy that I was very fond of. It was a stuffed frog. And uh, when he mentioned that on the podcast, it brought back memories of uh, the time I returned home to find that my uh, mum had given it away. Um, along with a load of my Asterix and Tintin comics to uh, a, a family friend called Jonathan Wober. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, quite traumatising, actually. I think uh, it's played a large... It, it, that still looms large over me. I don't know why. Maybe some amateur psychologists could, could let me know. Um, so uh, that was Alex. Then we had uh, Stephen Gage, uh, who was a older gentleman, very quintessentially sort of British guy. Very nice, very nice. Had a very warm, nice energy. Very, very sort of wholesome man. Talking about being a a granddad um, in the modern world. Um, yes, yes, uh, charming, charming man. And then we had Giovanna who is uh, Italian, and uh, three gigs in. Uh, she actually came uh, to the Rats final, uh, saw what the gig was like, and wanted to do the gig. So she is obviously has some issues. Well, as does, as does everyone uh, who chooses to do comedy. I mean, it's just it's the elephant in the room. Uh, in the, and it is. It's a fine line between sort of... Uh, being funny and and mental illness, you know, and and I did notice on the night that there were quite a few acts who, it was just sad what they were saying, you know, um, it was like tragic, um, and uh, they 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 hadn't turned that into comedy, it was just therapy, um, and actually, when I was walking home, um, through King's Cross, which I spoke about last time, it's a very it's got a history of prostitution and drugs, and uh, although they've smarted it up a lot, uh, you know, the remnants of that are still around. And anyway, there was some guy on the pavement um, smashing a bike up, and, and there was a guy standing outside the off-licence. And um, I just started speaking to him, and he was like, yeah, that guy's crazy. I was like, yeah, he looks he looks pretty crazy. He's like, yeah, he's, he's always doing mad things. And I was like, yeah, well, I can, I can see. And then... Uh, he was like, yeah, he said to me, yeah, like, uh, I threw my cash card in the bin. I was like, sorry? He said, yeah, yeah, I threw my cash card in the bin. Uh, and so I haven't got any money at all. And I was like, oh, well, you, you'll uh, you'll order a new cash card. Yeah, yeah, I'll order a new cash card. Anyway, it sort of dawned on me that this guy was also mad. And it was, you know, it was kind of quite funny to think that this mad guy... Uh, was uh, standing there talking about another mad guy, almost as if he wasn't mad, um, but he was a mad. And it's kind of like a, I don't know, it feels like that's what the, you know, the open mic circuit's like in a weird way, in that, you know, just as a complete lack of self-awareness. Um, and, you know, acts, look at other acts and go, well, they're, they're mad, but I'm not, you know. And, and uh, so it was kind of like a, well, I don't want to say metaphor, but I guess it was a metaphor for... Or the theme of the night, you know, of uh, that, that swirling around, the lack of self-awareness, the madness. I kind of like that energy. I always find when I get home after rats, I'm like hyped up and I actually can't go to sleep because I've just immersed myself in this 
craziness. It's even more crazy now that we're in this sex dungeon and, you know, the staff there telling me all these stories about it and it's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite, quite the thing. You, you must, you must come down. You must, you must. Um, anyway, uh, then the mad guy was like, uh, can you buy me a sandwich? And I did. Um, and, uh, uh, he'll probably be there on my walk home uh, next week telling me that another person's mad and he's not. But um, uh, the night itself, the two things that stand out for me, um, well, three actually. So the first was, um, and I have to say, you know, I'm going to be honest here and, uh, you know, e even the greats like myself and uh, other greats who I've promoted in the past when I was a successful promoter uh, booking successful acts, uh, experience failure, failure of an idea. And um, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're a bad comedian. Uh, we are all going to fail artistically at some point on the stage. And on Tuesday, the, the probably the biggest failure of the night was a man. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've, uh, I did not take a note of his name. You have to realise that, uh, you know, there are sometimes up to 17 acts on the night, uh, utterly unmemorable, and uh, I just, I'm not very good with names, I'm great with faces, not with names, but um, this this guy uh, came on uh, dressed as a peach, and uh, his idea was to do a load of peach-based jokes, now, uh, in this particular guys, uh, I've not seen this guy before, perhaps on other nights, he has a different energy, different material, but he did not have, uh, it did not go well. Um, the first peach joke fell and he gradually, gradually lost more and more confidence in the piece and it was all about um, peaches. The whole stuff was about peaches and, you know, when the audience weren't vibing with it, he just lost confidence and he had to sort of like trudge through this peach material and uh, it was, uh, it was, it was hard for him and, um, you know, it was a, I get it, you know, you see a peach costume and you're like, I'll put that on, it'll be funny and then, you know, but it didn't work. And I'm not telling him to give up on that idea. But uh, yes, he, um, I noticed he, 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 he didn't do the full five minutes and he, 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 he ran away. Um, and I've done that. Uh, I've been there um, in my early days. Uh, I mean, it springs to mind that, you know, some of the stuff I've thought about doing, if I was to even contemplate it now, I, I wouldn't even do it. Um, like, you know, for, for those of you who know me, you know about my goblin character in the early days. That was unhinged, and uh, it was only after doing it a few more times that I um, that I got it into some sort of shape, and it uh, actually worked. Um, but you know, you you have to you have to fail in order to succeed. Um, and then we had again. I don't want to. Uh, I'm going to call this guy out, and he might disagree. But uh, we had a guy who was being very racist about his wife. Um, now, uh, obviously, if he wants to um, defend that, I'm not going to name him. Uh, he can, and he might have a different opinion. In fact, the audience had a different opinion because uh, he went over his time and he was finishing on some some of this uh, racist material. And uh, I said, all right, mate, you're over your time. And the audience actually booed me and uh, told me that he had to finish his act. So um, the audience wanted to hear it. So maybe it wasn't racist, maybe I'm being um, a snowflake, um, but uh, I, I felt it was uh, 
uh, racist. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've had some racism around. So I thought it'd gone. And actually, I was disappointed because uh, I always think when, when that happens, it adds a... Uh, obviously, I'm against racism. I'm not racist. But, but then uh, this brings me on to something where I have been called racist. Because when I did start doing comedy, I had a piece uh, about racism in my act. Um, and I was accused of being racist on Chortle. Um, and uh, you can read the review. Harry Dean's way, wrong way. Uh, it's still, thankfully, not the top of Google anymore because it was several years ago. But for a while it was. And the first thing that would come up when you searched my name was uh, that I was racist. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so no, no. I, I, I mean, I just think I like that lack of self-awareness. Um, I, I, I feel like it adds uh, this really sort of like dark energy to the night and then it and then it just spirals from there and it and and it, it makes everyone feel awkward and un, and at unease and that's what i think the night really thrives on you know this sort of like the dark web of comedy you know these these unfiltered opinions um at the ground level um like i said i don't condone it i don't encourage it but when it happens i, I think it's interesting um, so yeah, that was, that was it. And then obviously, uh, it would be remiss of me to, uh, not mention, uh, the queen dying. Uh, I've wanted to mention this last time, but I just, I just wanted to think it through. And, and, uh, I, I actually hate the queen. Uh, I hate the monarchy. I think everything that it stands for is wrong. I think, uh, every single issue in this country can be brought back to the fact that we, uh, have a monarchy uh, you know it's a very old country it's a very old culture and that is ingrained in this island and I think uh, it says that uh, it's not who you are but uh, w where you're from you know it says uh, you know it's and, and and throughout my career and throughout my life in this country uh, you know I've, I've run into aristocratic aristocratic uh, gatekeepers and the uh, you can see the aristocracy you know I've visited friends at Oxford and Cambridge when they were studying there and it, it, it's rife you know and I, I believe that uh, the reason that this country is in this situation that we're in now where we're about to have you know uh, perhaps thousands of people freeze to death food banks is because we love being subjects we are in our place we feel like we are in our place uh, when we are answering to these posh people who have our best interests at heart and know what to do. Uh, it's a psychological state, and um, I think it's bad. I think as long as there is a monarchy in our country, uh, we will not progress, we will not become modern, we will have to repeat uh, the same uh, mistakes and issues um, that, that um, and, and we'll continue to vote for these People who uh, who just uh, support the rich and and fuck the poor, you know. So um, I, I hate I, I hate the rules, um, and and this whole stuff about you know this it must be like a multi you know million pound PR project every year to sort of humanise the rules and you know humans like take library books uh, back to the library late, you know they go to Starbucks, you know these people are not human. They're not living a human life. 
they are they I mean I'd be I'd be shocked shocked to my core if the queen ever had to make a cup of tea herself um the, the, this is the, these are not human beings they're they're, they're privileged and they and there's all this talk about her doing her duty I mean uh, you know her, uh, I'd be more impressed if uh, when she was uh, about to be coronated she'd have said you know what this is sick this is disgusting uh, I, I renounce the monarchy. Now, then I would have been impressed. You know, I think, you know, that's kind of what Prince Harry did. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, but he's, he's still a, a, a posh royal. But, but what my point is, is, you know, and then the, the argument is, is that they bring money in for tourism. And uh, you know what? Legoland Windsor brings in money for tourism. We're going to have 17 days of mourning uh, when that when that closes down. I don't think so. Um Quite a long intro today, uh, but I have a lot to get off my chest. Um, here's this episode. Enjoy. So here we are once again back in our regular sex dungeon in King's Cross. We're joined by a few of the acts and a few of the audience. That's the format of the show. If you've listened to the podcast, you will know that. So we'll go around and meet everyone. Hi, I'm Stephen Gage. I've just been performing in the Rats and had some fun getting jokes out of being a granddad. Uh, hi, I'm Alex Chase. I performed with Charles the Penguin, the person I bring on because he's more attractive than I am. <laughs> I'm, my name is Jane Morgan and I am an audience member and this is my first time in a comedy club for a long time and a sex dungeon. And I'm Eleanor and I'm an audience member and this is definitely the best comedy gig I've ever been to in a sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you put sex dungeon at the end because... You know, as our audience will know, this is an awful gig. But yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Giovanna. I just performed too, and uh, I love being here also because I discovered new spots in London, especially the sex dungeon. That I was so you you think you'll be coming back to uh, use yeah, the sex not, dungeon? Not on Tuesdays, but yeah, <laughs> on other days probably. Yeah, great. Well, that's you know, any of the listeners, if you are looking for a sex dungeon, <laughs> then uh, this is the place to be. So. So you guys are audience members. How did you hear about this evening? Uh, through friends. Through friends. Uh, are are you like one of the acts? <laughs> or someone told you you've got to go to this night? Yeah. Are, they, are you allowed to tell us who it was? Alex Dollis. <laughs> Alex. All right, so you're with Alex. <laughs> yes. Okay, so how do you guys know each other? Uh, Alex and I share a house. Oh, cool. Okay, right. So <laughs> uh, Alex is holding his... Uh, head in his hands there. Alex, what's... what's uh, she was a bit... Mom. She's ah. your mum. You bought your mum. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So I should have read more about the venue, in fairness. What do they? So, wow. Okay, so we, this is a exclusive on the podcast. We've never had an act with her mum. How do you feel? We've had... Actually, last week we had an act with her husband, and it was quite funny. At the end of the night, uh, obviously, there's a vote, and he didn't uh, give her a round of applause. So uh, it was quite... Are they quite, still married? We don't know. Um, I'm thinking not. So how's it, how's it feel to have a son who does comedy? Uh, uh, brilliant and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> have you been to see many of his gigs? A couple of times. Okay, cool. And so you're a friend of mum's, I take it? I'm a friend of mum's, yes. Mum and I uh, used to work together about 170 years ago. And um, I have been out of the country for a long time and just come back into the country. Yes. And now we have grown up children and we're all very sensible. And now our children are doing very exciting things. Amazing. Like, Doing stand-up comedy, which I think is possibly the most terrifying thing yeah, it's anyone crazy. can do. I am just awed by so the fact you do it at all, but also you do it so well. Um, Cheers. You didn't have to add that last part. It's quite I know, I know, I know, but, but I felt like So, Alex, uh, for me, when I was performing comedy, I host the gig now, obviously, but I don't really do stand-up anymore. I could not think of 
anything worse than performing it in front of my mum. How, how, wh- why have you brought your mum? Uh, well, in all honesty, you get extra minutes before you bring her. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you know, she's working nearby. She knew I was going to be doing it. And um, I really chose the wrong fucking phrase here. <laughs> but she knew I was going to be doing a gig. So it'd be a bit, bit of a dick move if I didn't at least say hi. The option's on the table. Yes, um, that's what we're, you know, a nice supportive mother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the problem, I, I can't bring my mother because she would make horrific comments that uh, would, would ruin my self-esteem. Uh, Stephen, um, how was that for you? Is it, you're a granddad. I have to say, uh, obviously, the podcast listeners can't see this. You, you look about the same age as me. Um, how, how old are you? Uh, I'm 55. 50, and, oh, uh, wow. So you had children quite had young, children I guess. Pretty young, yeah. Yeah. Um, you um, from, not from London. But, you know, it was legal at the time. <laughs> 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 and it's lovely though, but it's nice. To have, I mean, we had children reasonably young, and they, my daughters had a baby reasonably young, and it's great because everybody's kind of fit and healthy. And we get to play with grandchildren, which is just a dream. It's lovely. So, how old were you when you were a father for the first time? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah, that's what it used to be like. Child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's fine. It all works. All the equipment works. So you might as well crack on. I say. <laughs> <laughs> There's never a good age to have children. Children themselves are dreadfully annoying and difficult and hard work, so you need to be young and fit to cope with them. Okay, so I've kind of I've missed that boat. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to be... They're, they're, they're going to see you coming, and they're going to ru- ruin your life. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I, I can't wait to have some. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you need a girlfriend for that, obviously. But um, uh, Giovanna, so third gig in... Yes, just the third hour. Right? Yes, but you decided to do ten minutes. Um, <laughs> very, very because confident. Because a lot of people. Yeah, so you were yeah, responsible so for the whole uh, for like ruining the night tonight by bringing an audience uh, because, <laughs> as sorry. as our listeners know, no one ever comes to this night. Um, and so, thank you so much. So, <laughs> how come you're so popular? I don't know, probably because half of them were my Tinder matches, you know. I've been, uh, I told you, <laughs> I've been swiping. Really? Yeah. So you were like quadruple dating tonight? Exactly. Like, they don't know. Uh, they don't know about each other. other. I just don't say it, you know, because my friend is here, my mom is here, you know, like. But, but no, they don't know that uh, they are Tinder dates, but they think that they are my colleagues, all of them. And <laughs> you go to hand them a weapon at the end of the evening yeah, and say know. only one can get out alive. Exactly. <laughs> Which one of your Tinder dates did you make pretend to be your mum? <laughs> no, I just said, you know, some, my mom is there, you know, the, my, my, my cousins, you know, some people that know my mom, so don't, don't say that you're my Tinder date. So they all played the role. One was the colleague, one was a, a gym mate, the other one, I don't know. Where and, and where are you from in Italy? I'm from close to Bologna. Uh huh. The food capital of Italy, right? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. If you say so, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I say so. Yeah. And um, is, what's the comedy scene like in Italy? Actually, I mean, I started to to watch comedy here in the UK. Before in Italy, I was not really, you know. And it's a lot of politic jokes or like. Uh, you know, men versus women jokes, so I really didn't enjoy it. But then when I moved to the UK, I started to kind of uh, do it myself, and uh, yeah. What's the plan then? You want to you wanna be a stand-up Let's comedian? See, I started because my flatmate told me that she was, uh, I had to, to bother someone else beside <laughs> her. <you know? laughs> Every time I was coming back from dates or like from parties, you know, oh, you don't know what happened. So like, can you bother someone else and make someone else like laugh or pity you at least? So yeah. <laughs> Wow, P- there's, no, there's no <laughs> harm in getting uh, laugh through pity. Of course, Yes, exactly. uh, any way it comes, it's fine. As exactly. you saw, there was a vast range of different types of laughter tonight. You know, some was 
laughter sharing laughter, some was being laughed at, and some was uh, no laughter. So um, we had a psychotherapist in the audience. You found yes. was that someone you'd hired for the evening because you know stand up open mic comedians need help. No, uh, uh, in fact, she did walk out. I don't know if you noticed uh, about three acts in. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it was the the guy after the pizza. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, well, let's talk about it. So there was a guy uh, dressed as a peach tonight, and um, he had a tough gig, I felt. Um, what did you make of, of the peach comedy? Did you like it? I thought he'd kind of very much committed to his outfits, and he had two outfits. There was a peach outfit, and then there was an apple outfit. Uh-huh. It just didn't quite have the... Uh, uh, there were no jokes. Well, the, pro- the problem is... <laughs> Which, uh, for a comedy gig, I'm, I'm not a professional, but I'm guessing that no jokes is not maybe brilliant. The, the pro- yeah, like you say, the problem is, is if you're going to do a whole peach-based act and it doesn't work, you, you, you're basically fucked, aren't you? Yeah, if it very, doesn't work. It's not very far to go. No, no wriggle so. room. No wriggle room. So, um, Stephen, how long have you been going? Um, I've been done, done about 20 gigs or so, and I did some open mic before lockdown, and then obviously tried to faff about and do things online unsuccessfully uh-huh. in the lockdown, and then have just been coming back to doing stuff so, since. So 20 or so gigs. And I uh, host a little panel show in Crystal Palace, which we do last Friday of every month. Oh, which is, yeah, which tell is us about it. It's, uh, we kind of uh, do a panel show and rip off all the um, uh, Mock the Week and those sort of things, use their stuff, and use that format to create jokes and flex our comedy muscles. And what's that called? It's called the Palace Panel Show. It's in the Paxton Centre on the last Friday. So, um, and I hope you don't mind me asking, so you've come to stand up later in life. Um, what, why weren't you doing it earlier, do you think? Well, because I needed a job. Um, <laughs> I needed to, need to live, really. And, no, and that's I'm not true. I'm not going to make any money. I don't think I was good enough to make any money. So I'm doing, I've kind of taken a bit of sabbatical from work and uh-huh. doing this in a kind of kind of semi-retirement and it's um, it's 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 just fun it's great I'm so it's like it. a hobby basically that you're hoping to turn into something a bit more yeah i'm just enjoying it and it's been a ni- it's the nice thing about doing stand-up comedy comedy is you get to have a laugh out in the evening and you meet some people have a pint get you drag a friend along to come and be your bringer in the audience and then you have a pint and catch up with them which is lovely wow okay so um it's gl- i'm glad you finally did it so was it, have you always thought you were funny then uh yeah well, i did when i was at primary school uh, me and my mate Stefan uh, used to do assemblies where we did Ronnie, uh, two Ronnie sketches. And also I dressed up in a baby's nappy and gargled and uh, my Stefan translated. Uh, we, uh, and we got we got laughs from that. So it's, 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 next week yeah, Stefan's Steph, still around. Where is Stefan? Stefan is still, uh, we're still in good in touch and he's, okay. um, I don't think okay. he's very serious and grown up does he live in England he lives in uh, yeah he lives in Collier's Wood well so uh, <laughs> let me say here exclusively on the podcast if you and Stefan want to reconnect and do your double act you will be welcome to do that here at Axe uh, probably Rats. not on the Tuesday evening <laughs> <laughs> good stuff they get, they yeah. get on the Sunday night uh, yeah um, so you were waving your hands around when he said Ronnie Corbett because well yeah. I mean you know obviously this is a not a visual medium but you i wouldn't be the first person to mention that you do sort of resemble him a little i went into a pub called the black bull in murfield once when i was about 18 and i'd never really been to yorkshire pubs but went into this pub and some little bloke sat at the bar said hey it's ronnie corbett as i went in so yeah it goes around with me yes but he's like a legend and hilariously funny and i could only dream of being as good well if you don't have dreams 
you can't achieve them. So, um, Alex, uh, you do a ventriloquist act. Um, kind if that's of. what we're calling it, sure. Yeah, how, how did that come about? Uh, well, um, you know, a lot of comedians, uh, they're very anecdotal. You see, they talk about a lot of the stuff in their life, you know, relationships, sex, and they're all very funny, but I don't have any of those. So, indeed, <laughs> I, uh, in all honesty, I just kind of, um, you know, to me, the biggest compliment I can receive is unhinged. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, maybe do something a little funny with this penguin puppet I'd had lying around since I was seven. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe I could play with the dynamic a bit. What if I'm the puppet and he's the puppet master? And, uh, yes, I do admit, I've written myself into a bit of a hole. Um, this one is a sort of second attempt at the Alex and Charles formula, which I don't think is as successful. Uh, but hopefully I managed to get the writing down for Alex and Charles Escape Prison. But, yeah. And so how many gigs have you done? Uh, gigs, uh, roughly. Do university ones count, or are we only counting real world? No, we can. Uh, you, you know, uh, unless it was in a dream. Uh, you went to university. I think it was still in the real world. Yes. Um, if only it were the case. Um, I'd say about ten. Ten. Wow. So we got a lot of uh, newbies here on the podcast, which is you know, amazing. So um, I think we're going to finish. Obviously, the biggest news in the world right now is the Queen died. Um, I thought it might be quite interesting you know, to hear from the open mic perspective what we all think about the Queen. Um, did, did you watch the funeral? Yeah. Yeah, as a foreigner. Mm, yeah, did as you, a foreigner, yeah, like going, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care, I don't give a fuck, like, uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian, I'm not, uh, I'm not yeah. British, so I was, uh, following the history of the monarchy from like uh, the tabloids, you know, yeah. like for me it was more like gossip stuff. Gossip. And now of course I'm here and the queen died and of course like kind of historical events, but of course when I realize that my taxes go to the queen, I kind of find You're upset. Yeah, a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so okay. Who's but your favorite royal then? My favorite royal, I think, of course it's Kate because she's so beautiful, she's so classy. Kate Middleton, she's yeah, a classy lady, course, yeah. very beautiful. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, ladies, any, how, where did you stand on the, on the funeral and the Queen? I was just working all the way through it. How about you, Jim? <laughs> I, um, I watched it all. I had a strange fascination with it. I would like to believe that I'm in the, a Republican, but there was something in me that was kind of, uh, you know, compelled to watch. One thing I thought was interesting tonight, though, was that one of the comedians had, done, uh, had some royal funeral material, yes. which I thought was... You know, that was classy. Quite, and, and it was, it was a good line. I, I, I don't know, what did he say? I spent the entire day watching some arsehole drive... To, to Windsor, to yes. Four hours or something, which went down well. To and be honest, well. I totally forgot. I, I should have done stuff about that, but I, I, I just forgot. But, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, you know... No, I, 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 the, the thing I liked the, the most, actually, of the whole thing was the queue. I, I got very oh, interested yeah. in queue cam. Uh, uh, that, I don't know... Man yeah, just I watched that for hours and hours. Uh, so, Stephen, how, how do you feel you about? A, I thought you had a very good line on the evening, um, on saying that there was going to be a minute silence, mm-hmm. and, it was, and it was in one of the acts. It was in all of the all the acts. <laughs> yeah. Very kindly. Yeah, that's the best line for you. Actually, yes. I'm sorry, you two, but that was. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. I said. I'm sorry, I didn't mention that. It was. It was. It was good. I know, and that was off the cuff as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't even write that. Oh. Yeah. So. Um, Alex, how do, you, how do you feel about the, the Queen? Um, so the, from the younger generation, no offence, uh, guys. You know, and <laughs> okay. you're, younger, you're younger, you're younger, you're young. Giovanna's young, Giovanna's young, uh, and Alex is young, and I 
Of course, yes. live like a young person, but I'm old, but yes. Well, uh, Mrs. Bailey, of course, put on the funeral during that time. So, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, joke aside, I watched it uh, with my parents, um, you know, well, with my dad. And uh, we were, uh, you know, constantly kind of making the joke, okay, when they get a shut off the doors, play the Mortal Kombat theme, let's see some real action. But I don't know, I'm, I can't say I really give much of a fuck about the Royals. Um, either way, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, something in the funeral, I really like that. Bear in mind, I recently rewatched Dune, so it might be something, you know, the bagpipes and the capes kind of getting to me. But I don't know, it's, um, yeah, basically it's going to be a few, um, it's going to be a few weeks before I can go back to doing my Queen impression, um, just because, um, yeah, I now have I actually had to watch clips of the Queen speaking, and I realised my Queen impression does not work at all. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so Stephen, final word for you. Any thoughts on the Queen on um, her funeral? I, I kind of quite like the idea of having an elected head of state, so it annoys me a little bit that my granddaughter, who's going to turn out to be amazing, can't get to be head of state unless she marries into a dysfunctional family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so you're, you like the royal family, although you have a I soft mean, spot I, for I them. I don't like the idea. I think yeah. they, son of, they, ha they do have some sort of appeal, and people love them, and I don't understand it, but I kind of respect it. Oh, okay. That's a healthy attitude. And how do we think Charles will do as king? I've warmed up to the guy. Once again, it's mainly just that slow-mo shot with, of him with the cape. You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> go on, retake House of Traitors. But, indeed. Um, yeah. Ran into him at the theatre once. That was weird. Oh, wow. Well, well, let's finish on I that anecdote. Yeah. I, no, I just... How old is him, actually? Well, no, it, I bought, like, a £15 ticket. And yes. But Jerusalem, he happened to be in the box. Not, not the same box, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he happened to be in that night, which was, uh, I don't know, it's weird thinking that guy is now technically appointed by God. So, you know. And did he enjoy Jerusalem, do you know? Uh, yeah, he did a very good job to, you know, laugh. He, he found a lot of the jokes funny. Uh, he put on a smile, even if he didn't exactly know what Ket was. But, you know, good on him, I say. There we go, guys. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you all and have a safe trip home away from the dungeon. 